This is the KPMG Board Insights Podcast, and this episode is about executive compensation in 2020 and beyond. Welcome to the KPMG Board Insights Podcast, brought to you by the KPMG Board Leadership Center. The KPMG Board Insights Podcast series features conversations with directors, business leaders, and governance luminaries to explore the emerging issues and pressing challenges facing boards today. In this episode, Stephen Brown, Senior Advisor with the KPMG Board Leadership Center, talks with Robin Farricone, Founder and CEO of Farriant Advisors and a corporate board member, about how boards are thinking about compensation as they close out a tumultuous 2020, how compensation committees are expanding their oversight, and some of the issues they should have on their radar in 2021. Welcome to the podcast, a podcast where we talk to experts about critical priorities for board and corporate leaders. Today, we're talking about executive compensation in 2020 and beyond, and we're joined by Robin Farrakhan. Robin is a founder and chief executive officer of Farian Advisors, a leading compensation, performance, and governance advisor. She's also a board of director at NASDAQ-listed Trupanion, Inc., where she is chair of the Compensation Committee. Uh, Robin is a true expert, and uh, before uh, we have you come in, Robin, I want to list some of your bona fides. Uh, you write extensively on the topics of performance and management. Uh, your book, Fair Pay, Fair Play, Aligning Executive Performance and Pay, is a great one, which I've read many years ago. Uh, you're often quoted in leading publications, the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post, uh, and you're also a board member of several nonprofits, uh, in addition to your for-profit board of, of, of Trupanion, Inc. She holds an MBA from Harvard Business School, where she was a Baker Scholar, and uh, she's a Dukie, uh, a, with a BA summa cum laude from, in Management Science and Economics from Duke University, where she also was Phi Beta Kappa. She is a true expert, and we are very happy to have you join us, Robin Farrakhan. Stephen, thank you. I appreciate that introduction, and it's great to be here with you again. Perfect. And look, I'm stating the obvious that the world is different today as we speak uh, at the end of 2020 compared to where we started this year off. In 2020, of course, to shape by 2020 events. I like to talk about them as the triple storm. COVID-19 plus racial reckoning and awareness here in the U.S. uh, and also here in the U.S., uh, the politics. Uh, We had a presidential election. And I figured that we talk about sort of each one of those, COVID-19, racial reckoning, um, and the politics here in the U.S., and how it has affected executive compensation. So if we start with um, executive compensation during these times of COVID, uh, if we could start right there, uh, let's, let's see where folks, uh, corporations are turning to uh, as we finish up 2020 and sort of move on to 2020. 2021, what developments are you seeing right now? And what's keeping you up at night? What's, uh, what, what are the phone calls that you've been having for the last few, few months? That would, that would be great to talk about. Terrific. Um, Stephen, you're certainly hitting the topic du jour. Um, there's not a conversation that goes by where we don't talk about how to close out 2020. And I, I would observe that, you know, most companies uh, have a, an expansive thought process about what kind of things might they do this year 
But then at the end of the day, they're really treating the issue with, with some conservatism, which I think is a, is, is a reasonable place to land. Um, you know, for a lot of the discussions I've had, you know, companies are trying to adhere to their incentive formulas. They're, they're trying to play by the rules, but they also need to make sure that uh, executives and employees are, are motivated and rewarded for the very tough climb that they've had to do this year. And so what we're seeing is, uh, you know, companies are starting with the formula and then they're asking themselves to what extent might they apply discretion if the formula falls short of what what really might be a fair thing to pay. And this is usually, this discussion usually happens if uh, the formula is paying out below target. For above target, uh, people are usually playing, paying in accordance with the formula. So when we talk about discretion, um, a couple of things come to mind. One is that we're talking about bounded discretion. In other words, people are talking maybe 25, 50% of target to add on, but not more than that, and not to take it above target compensation. So there's, there's some conservative boundaries here that are, that are being respected. Um, you know, the second is there's got to be a really clear rationale. So companies are thinking about, you know, how are they performing relative to competitors? How are they performing relative to a revised plan? How did all stakeholders get treated during this very, uh, very trying year in terms of employees, customers, um, you know, shareholders, uh, and anybody else who might be uh, communities, anybody else who might be um, of interest to, to an organization. And so, you know, we see this bounded discretion being applied to incentives with very strong rationales attached to them as something that can be articulated really well in the proxy. And then finally, to close out 2020, we're looking at merit budgets for increases, and they're going to about 0 to 3%, depending upon the industry. So some aren't giving any increases at all, and some are giving a normal 3% merit pool. So that's, that's uh, the 2020 closeout, and I've compressed a lot of conversations and a lot of thinking into just um, a minute or two here. Um, you know, as we move into 2021, there's also a lot of great thinking on the table and a lot of expansive ideas coming to the fore. Uh, here at the end of the day, companies are trying to figure out, you know, how they put flexibility into their incentive plans, but still have the discipline in those plans. So they're, they're thinking about things like broadening the goal ranges or flattening the goal ranges, particularly around target, uh, or incorporating performance measures that are non-financial measures that, that aren't layups, are, are tough measures with objective criteria, but are, are, are maybe more in control uh, of, the, of the people who participate in the, in the incentive plans. So those are the kind of things we're, we're seeing, and I basically put this in the category, Stephen, of not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. They're trying to maintain their plans as best they can, change them where it makes strategic sense, and then certainly take the upcoming environment, which still has a lot of uncertainty in it, into account. Absolutely. No, I, I appreciate that. And now, as we think about one of the other things that's quite big in uh, the end of 2020 and certainly will be ex extraordinarily important as we move into 2021 is diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now, shareholders have always been focused on pay for over a decade. They've also been focused on DEI. 
Um, and now they're putting it together and demanding that diversity, equity, inclusion is included inside of executive compensation. Can you walk us through how companies are going about diagnosing and taking action on the issues of DEI? Well, you, you've hit another hot topic here, diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is being talked about in all, almost every conversation we walk into. And um, there's, I think, two pieces to it. One is, you know, let's diagnose and measure how we're doing on diversity, equity, inclusion. And the second piece is, should, it, should some kind of performance measure be incorporated into the incentive system? So you have kind of two decision points there, two, two um, things to consider. On the, on the first, I think, you know, we, we lump DEI into one sentence, into three letters. But DEI, each, each letter really stands for something very different. In, in my view, you know, diversity is really diversity of perspectives that, that might lead to better decision making, diversity that draws from a wider talent pool. And it's usually meant, uh, particularly in the U.S. environment, around gender and ethnicity, but there are other areas of diversity, like sexual preference, for example. So people are, are really trying to pay attention to all aspects of diversity, but starting more with gender and ethnicity uh, as, a, as, a, as a place to begin, as a launching pad. Uh, we then turn to equity, and, and equity is really about fair treatment, but that also needs to be defined. And there are two major definitions around it. One is treating people equity or fairly from a pay perspective given their jobs, given their roles, given their experience and skills and those kind of things. And the second is just based on gender, forget about roles and responsibilities. What do the men get paid versus what do the women get paid, for example. So, so equity is defined different ways. Uh, people are looking at ways to kind of think about the fairness factor there. And then inclusion is really about people's feelings, feelings of belonging in the organization. Uh, do they feel like they belong? Do they feel like they're valued? And does the culture actually, um, you know, does it support opportunities for employees to, uh, to, to be included and, and to be heard? So I think these are all very different things. And in each one of these, um, you know, you have to diagnose the issues. You have to start with where are we? And do we have do we have problems? What are our problems? Absolutely. And Robin, I really do appreciate you how you described slowing down and breaking down the three word acronym uh, DEI to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and your process of identifying gaps. Uh, businesses love acronyms. Uh, ESG for one for one thing, uh, and now we have DEI. Um, and your process, uh, if you could talk about your process and how do you identify the gaps and how companies are attacking this issue of DEI, um, I think that would be very, very helpful. So, so this is a, an interesting one because the first piece, of course, is the diagnostic piece. Where are we? I mentioned that a moment ago. And this is a statistical exercise. You know, do, do, we, do we have statistical differences in how we're treating men versus women, for example, genders? Uh, gender is a little bit, um, you know, more easy to, to you know, to define. Uh, do we have differences on how we're treating people with respect to ethnicity? How do we measure that in the United States versus in other parts of the world? It's all a little different, but it all can be defined and measured. And so 
you know, we also think about engagement surveys, and the surveys give us a pulse as to how people are feeling in the organization. So these all set baselines and, and, and let us know where the problems are. I think the thornier issue and the issue that companies are now starting to address themselves to is when we do have gaps, how do we close them? Because the tendency is, oh, okay, we have these pay gaps, let's just give people raises where we have those gaps. Well, if you just do that and don't address the root causes of where those, why those gaps are there in the first place, you're going to get the gap again. So we may close that gap this year, but next year we'll come around and we'll have another gap. So what companies are starting to do is really think about the systemic and underlying causes for why those differences exist so that they they can attack the root causes and not have the gaps creep back into the system. So I'll give you an example. Um, we, we, we think about uh, promotional systems, for example, and are we as aggressively promoting one group versus another? Are we giving people a chance who may not have had, you know, that not, may not have had the advantages that, that other groups have had? And so, you know, what are we doing in our organization uh, that really gives people equal and maybe a little bit boost in terms of opportunity. And I had one client, it was really interesting, they uh, are a very heavy engineering-oriented company. Um, in the engineering department, there is a, a gap in terms of just the representation of men and women with a preponderance of men. And, and there's also a, a representation issue with respect to ethnicity, with, with respect to a preponderance of, of whites versus non-whites. And what's very interesting is that they are thinking in terms of actually locating one of their tech centers next to a university where they can recruit very diverse talent and just start with that. So I think the, the remedies, uh, can, you know, you can get very creative on those. Uh, and but they might be far and wide in terms of how people think about it. Absolutely, and I, I really appreciate what you must appreciate and how your clients appreciate you that uh, uh, you come in talking comp and you have them understand that it's much deeper than that. There's, there's a root cause analysis. Uh, sort of related to this, you know, we talked about DNI and the the broader category of human capital management which, by the way, is another three-letter acronym, HCM, Human Capital Management, uh, which is certainly a buzzword these days. Uh, how do companies go by looking at HCM, Human Capital Management, and identify the gaps and closing those gaps? So uh, that's also really interesting, and it, and it culminates at the board level with oversight. What we're finding that's, that's, that's very interesting is that uh, companies are now starting to think about these broader issues, stakeholder issues, we call them, and you know where the home in the board should be for overseeing those issues. And most of those human capital management issues, as you talk about, Stephen, uh, are culminating at the compensation committee level, to the extent that compensation committees are broadening their names. Uh, we have um, organization and compensation. We have talent management and compensation. We have management development and compensation. You know, your, your imagination is the limit here. And so uh, it's to signal that we're not just a comp committee anymore. We're more of a human capital management committee in terms of our oversight and responsibilities. So what that means for the committee and for the organization is very broad thinking about all 
the levers one can pull in the Human Capital Management Toolkit. You can uh, pull levers of promotion, levels of how you define the roles, uh, levers of compensation, levers of incentive design, succession planning, talent management and development, uh, you know, how you rate people. There, again, it, workforce, workforce strategies. Uh, who do you have and what roles? How many people? What's the recruitment need? So all of these things start to get considered by the compensation committees, the human or human resource committees, as maybe we should be calling them, and uh, and and overseen. And so organizations are are really thinking broadly about this. And here again, they're trying to not address it so much from the standpoint of just looking at. Um, kind of the, the, the lines and the boxes and the statistics, they're looking at it from the standpoint of the, of the systems and the, and the underlying um, feelings and views of people and, and, and how they think about that um, as, as part of the culture of the organization and how that can become an asset for the organization. Uh, so at Trupanion, for example, we think about that very deliberately. And I think the culture at Trupanion's very unique. It's a it's a caring company to start with because we are uh, providing for the insurance for healthcare for cats and dogs, which are family members. So we start with that and broaden from there to our our human uh, employees and members. And uh, it's a it's a very distinctive culture from that regard. Um, so I think I think that's going to be one of the more interesting developments as we move forward um, around comp and then just around around human capital management. And then the second piece is how do we weave it into compensation? And I think where there's a need to improve and where things can be measured, those are the places where compensation can come in. So we have certain clients who want to make sure that diversity and inclusion um, it is part of the incentive system. And they have measures against improvements on diversity and inclusion to make sure that the organization is focused on it. So that would just be one example. Of course, and now we have uh, SEC-required human capital management disclosures to a certain extent. So this is definitely uh, on the minds of those who do disclosure and those who talk about compensation. Uh, so I said that we would talk about uh, the triple threat of COVID-19, uh, racial reckoning, um, and, and now I, th I thought we'd end with, uh, and I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that we're going to have a new administration in January. Um, and if you have any thoughts uh, about what is on horizon with a change in the new administration when it comes to uh, corporate governance and executive compensation. Yeah, so I think one of the things, this administration is going to be watched very carefully by everyone, um, you know, in, in, in the corporate world and the stakeholder world. One of the issues is how is COVID-19 going to play out and end? Uh, we, we have a president coming in and are we going to get uh, the vaccine? How will it be distributed? And how will the, uh, the COVID-19 be treated? How much of an impact will it have on, on corporate events? And so, the, the, this new president may have a, a little bit different stance than the former president or the current president. And so I think looking at how that is going to work its way through the system is going to be really important for, for thinking about corporate, um, corporate perform performance and the future um, of, of 
of corporate performance. I also feel as though people are going to keep a careful eye on the tax rates. There's a, there's a, there's a suspicion that we're going to see more taxes um, in, in, the, in the system. And so if we get more emphasis on higher taxes, we may get more emphasis on tax planning as we think about executive compensation delivery. And we also are seeing more taxes on the local and state level, particularly around social things like pay ratios. So I think we're going to see more attention paid to the pay ratio, which is the ratio between uh, what a top executive gets paid and what the median worker gets paid. And if that ratio is too large, um, companies are, are, are liable to be taxed in various venues. And we've already seen that kind of a tax law come in into effect in Portland, Oregon, and in San Francisco, California. And then finally, I think, you know, we're, we may see the provisions of Dodd-Frank, and Dodd-Frank, by the way, was a, a law that was enacted 10 years ago by Barack Obama, and we may see the final remaining provisions of Dodd-Frank be put into place. We've got a draft, um, a draft proposal on the clawback provision, and we've got a draft proposal on the pay-for-performance provision, but those have not been closed out. And I think under this administration, we may see those finalized. Absolutely. Robin, I really appreciate your insight here. Uh, and I take note that, indeed, uh, Dodd-Frank was over 10 years ago, and, and some of those provisions are still not uh, uh, implemented yet, and certainly I think we'll see them implemented uh, during this next administration. And I'll finally say that... Uh, um, one of the morals of the story is that we will always continue to talk about executive pay, uh, but now it's uh, a much deeper and authentic conversation that companies need to have around pay because that many more people are interested in looking at your disclosure. I, I agree with that, Stephen, and I would say in the years ahead, we all have a lot of work to do. Indeed. Indeed. Well, Robin Farrakhone of Farring Advisors and of True Panion, thank you for spending time with us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast episode on executive compensation in 2020 and beyond. Be sure to visit the Board Leadership Center website at kpmg.com slash US slash BLC. For more resources and information for board members and business leaders, and be sure to subscribe to the Board Insights Podcast to be notified of new episodes.